Chapter Two of the Maid of Scar. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Maid of Scar by R. D. Blackmore. Chapter Two Hunger Drives Him a Fishing. In the summer of the year 1782, I david llewellyn of newton nottage fisherman and old sailor was in great distress and trouble more than i like to tell you my dear wife a faithful partner for eight-and-twenty years in spite of a very quick temper was lately gone to a better world and i missed her tongue and her sharp lookout at almost every corner also my son as fine a seaman as ever went aloft after helping lord rodney to his great victory over gras the frenchman had been lost in a prize ship called the tunner of fifty-four guns and five hundred crapos which sank with all hands on her way home to spithead under admiral graves his young wife who had been sent to us to see to with his blessing no sooner heard of this sad affair as in the gazette reported and his pay that week stopped on her but she fell into untimely travail and was dead ere morning so i buried my wife and daughter-in-law and lost all chance to bury my son between two bridge and market days now this is not very much of course compared with the troubles some people have but i had not been used to this matter except in case of a messmate and so i was greatly broken down and found my eyes so weak of a morning that i would not be seen out of doors almost the only one now to keep a stir or sound of life in my little cottage which faces to the churchyard was my orphan grandchild bunny daughter of my son just drowned and his only child that we knew of bunny was a rare strong lass five years old about then i think a stout and hearty feeding child able to chew every bit of her victuals and mounting a fine rosy colour and eyes as black as archangel pitch one day when i was moping there all abroad about my bearings and no better than water ballasted the while i looked at my wife's new broom now carrying cobweb try sails this little bunny came up to me as if she had a boarding pike and sprang into the netting hammocks of the best black coat i wore granda she said and looked to know in what way i would look at her granda i must have something more to eat something more to eat i cried almost with some astonishment well as i knew her appetite for the child had eaten a barley loaf and two pig's feet and a dog-fish yes more more bexfess granda and though she had not the words to tell she put her hands in a way that showed me she ought to have more solid food i could not help looking sadly at her proud as i was of her appetite but recovering in a minute or two i put a good face upon it my dear and you shall have more i said only take your feet out of my pocket little heart have i for fishing god knows but a fishing i will go this day if mother jones will see to you 
for I could not leave her alone quite yet, although she was a brave little maid, and no fire now was burning, but within a child's trot from my door, and down toward the sand-hills was that famous ancient well of which I spoke just now, dedicate to St. John the Baptist, where they used to scourge themselves. The village church stood here, they say, before the inroad of the sand, and the water was counted holy. How that may be, I do not know, but the well is very handy. It has a little grey round tower of stone, domed over the heart of it, to which a covered way goes down, with shallow steps irregular. If it were not for this plan, the sand would whelm the whole of it over, even as it has overwhelmed all the departure of the spring, and the cottages once surrounding it down these steps the children go each with a little brown pitcher holding hands and groping at the sides as they begin to feel darker and what with the sand beneath their feet and the narrowing of the roof above and the shadows moving round them and the doubt where the water begins or ends which nobody knows at any time it is much but what some little maid tumbles in and the rest have to pull her out again for this well has puzzled all the country and all the men of great learning being as full of contrariety as a maiden courted it comes and goes in a manner against the coming and going of the sea which is only half a mile from it and twice in a day it is many feet deep and again not as many inches and the water is so crystal clear that down in the dark it is like a dream some people say that john the baptist had nothing to do with the making of it because it was made before his time by the ancient family of de sanford who once owned all the manors here in this however i place no faith having read my bible to better purpose than to believe that john baptist was the sort of man to claim anything least of all any water unless he came honestly by it in either case it is very pretty to see the children round the entrance on a summer afternoon when they are sent for water they are all a little afraid of it partly because of its maker's name and his having his head on a charger and partly on account of its curious ways and the sand coming out of its nostrils when first it begins to flow that day with which i begin my story mrs jones was good enough to take charge of little bunny and after getting ready to start i set the thong of our latch inside so that none but neighbours who knew the trick could enter our little cottage or rather mine i should say now and thus with conjurod and prawnet and a long pole of the bass and a junk of pressed tobacco and a lump of barley bread and a maybird stuffed with onions just to refine the fishiness away i set for a long shore day upon as dainty a summer morn as ever shone out of the heavens fisherman davy as they call me all around our parts was 
fifty and two years of age, I believe, that very same July, and with all my heart I wish that he were as young this very day, for I never have found such call to enter into the affairs of another world as to forget my business here, or press upon Providence impatiently for a more heavenly state of things. People may call me worldly-minded for cherishing such a view of this earth, and perhaps it is not right of me. However, I can put up with it, and be in no unkindly haste to say good-bye to my neighbours. For, to my mind, such a state of seeking, as many amongst us do even boast of, is, unless in a bad cough or a perilous calenture, a certain proof of curiosity displeasing to our Maker, and I might even say of fickleness degrading to a true Briton the sun came down upon my head so that i thought of bygone days when i served under captain howe or sir edward hawke and used to stroll away upon leave with half a hundred jacks ashore at naples or in bermudas or wherever the luck might happen now however was no time for me to think of strolling because i could no longer live at the expense of the government which is the highest luck of all and full of noble dignity things were come to such a push that i must either work or starve and could i but recall the past i would stroll less in the days gone by a pension of one and eightpence farthing for the weeks i was alive being in right of a heavy wound in capture of the bellona frenchman of two and thirty guns by his majesty's frigate vesta under captain hood was all i had to hold on by in support of myself and bunny except the slippery fish that come and go as providence orders them she had sailed from martinique when luckily we fell in with her and i never shall forget the fun and the five hours at close quarters we could see the powder on the other fellows faces while they were training their guns at us and we showed them with a slap our noses which they never contrived to hit she carried heavier metal than ours and had sixty more men to work it and therefore we were obliged at last to capture her by boarding i like a fool was the first that leaped into her mizzen chains without looking before me as ought to have been the frenchman came too fast upon me and gave me more than i bargained for thus it happened that i fell off in the very prime of life and strength from an able-bodied seaman and captain of the foretop to a sort of lurcher along shore and a man who must get his own living with nets and rods and such like for that very beautiful fight took place in the year seventeen fifty nine before i was thirty years old and before his present most gracious majesty came to the throne of england and inasmuch as a villainous frenchman made at me with a cutlash and a power of blue oaths taking a nasty advantage of me while i was yet entangled and thumped in three of my ribs before a kind providence enabled me to relieve him of his head at a blow i was discharged when we came to spithead with an excellent character in a silk bag and a considerable tightness of breathing and leave to beg my way home again now i had not the smallest meaning to enter into any of these particulars about myself especially as my story must be all about other people beautiful maidens and fine young men 
and several of the prime gentry but as i have written it so let it stay because perhaps after all it is well that people should have some little knowledge of the man they have to deal with and learn that his character and position are a long way above all attempt at deceit to come back once again if you please to that very hot day of july seventeen eighty two whence i mean to depart no more until i have fully done with it both from the state of the moon i knew and from the neap when my wife went off that the top of the spring was likely to be in the dusk of that same evening at first i had thought of going down straight below us to newton bay and peddling over the black rocks towards the ogmore river some two miles to the east of us but the bright sun gave me more enterprise and remembering how the tide would ebb also how low my pocket was i felt myself bound in honour to bunny to make a real push for it and thoroughly searched the conger holes and the lobster ledges which are the best on all our coast round about pool tavan and down below the old house at scar End of chapter two